Hello and welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast. My name is Jeff and I will be your host for today. This is episode number 78. Presentation by Dr. Alan Goldberg, accumulating our swim clinic, Central State Swim Clinic, part three. That's right, today we're talking about Dr. Alan Goldberg's discussion and talk on how to get your parents on your swim team and swim program on board with you and not working against you concocting crazy wild ideas. I can't wait to talk to you about this. Let's get started. right today we are talking about dr alan goldberg in the final episode about the central states clinic which i went to three weeks ago now and have had a lot of different things going on in between um interestingly enough this is just a side note i made gazpacho today for the first time which if you don't know what that is it's like a tomato juice soup um with a bunch of chopped up vegetables in it and a lot of salt so one tablespoon of salt which has 7,000 milligrams of sodium, just so you know. Um, but it was delicious. It was awesome. And uh, so that was one of the things I've done in the meantime. So Dr. Alan Goldberg from the Central States Clinic, uh, he gave two talks that I saw, one on high-performance athletes and how meditation, actually not how meditation, but how you can frame your mind into better performance at swim meets and competitions. Um, I find this also works really well with uh, public speaking or doing things in a, in a social aspect. So maybe there's some information there that you can take from episode number 76 about how you can do your lifeguard and swim instructor trainings this summer. So I know that coming up, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for people to be working on talking in front of large groups of strangers that they don't know. And it can sometimes be a stressful time. Uh, and uh, maybe some of these skills where you put all your worries aside and just focus on one thing, uh, you'll end up performing better. So take a look at episode number 76, full of useful information regarding swim team, coaching, and I suspect um, public speaking. So Dr. Alan Goldberg, finally his talk, Getting Parents to Work With, Not Against You. Uh, you can find him at competitiveedge.com. Uh, he also has a phone number here listed, but I'm not going to put that on here. Um, and briefly, I touched on this last week about how what you can do to make your program successful um, with the support and participation of your parents. Now, I think this applies to swim lessons as well as coaching swim teams. Um, it, swim lessons are a little less formal, like regular. You're not at the pool four days, five days a week. You're not committing a significant portion of your free time to being at the swim team like or the swim lessons as you are a swim team, but you can still take a lot of these same ideas and apply them to any program that you're working on, really, uh, that interacts with a lot of people and works with kids or children. So I can see this working well with 
um, schools, grade schools, middle schools, and stuff like that as well. Um, so I'm going to kind of frame most of this from a swim team perspective, but also how we can take these same principles and apply it to our swim lesson program. And this summer uh, is the start of another big session for our program uh, with our outdoor pools. So um, there's a lot of people, a lot of camps, a lot of uh, public lessons as well, group lessons, private lessons, and so forth. So um, I, I believe you can find this information of, of good high value uh, if you weren't at the speech or haven't heard from it already. So uh, basically, again, Dr. Goldberg is a really good presenter. Um, he tells a lot of good, funny stories. Um, I wish I had that ability to integrate my storytelling into my podcast. But um, to get right into it, uh, he says that you need to understand where parents are coming from in order to successfully work with them. So most parents want uh, three really big things. Uh, they want their child to be happy, right? So they want to have a, a excited, smiling, happy child. They want their child to be successful. Uh, and they want the person working with them, so the coach, the swim instructor, the uh, staff that they're giving their child over to, they want them to invest their time and energy in your child. So, for example, um, if I had a son and I dropped him off at swim lessons, I would want the program director, I would want the swim instructor to invest their energy and time in my son so he could improve, so he could be happy, so he could be successful. The same thing when parents drop their kids off at your swim team, they want the coach to pay attention to them, they want the coach to interact with their child because they know that that's gonna make their child a better performer, they're gonna be more successful, and they're gonna be happy. Um, so when these three things combined, those are kind of the motivations for parents. Happiness, success, and they want their kid to be paid attention to, not ignored. So when one of these things is deficient, they're going to start acting out and doing things to fill that gap. And parents' behaviors are directly affected by, and, and I'm reading off the notes here from Dr. Alan Greenberg, that, which he gave out to everybody, so it's not like I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm relaying this information to you as if I was reading an article. Like I said, Dr. Alan Goldberg, this is not me. Um, so to cite my sources here, uh, he says, the parents' behaviors, behaviors are directly affected by, number one, how to overly competitive, how our overly competitive society defines success. Uh, the emotional, emotionally evocative nature of watching their child compete uh, past role models, so in their past, and the parents' own individual psychology. So I'm going to break that down just a little bit here. Um, number one, which is something you could probably relate to, uh, how our overly competitive society defines success. Now, if you're in America, or really if you're in the world today, you can look at Donald Trump as salacious, and my own personal feelings aside, you can use him as a good example of this. So if you look at when he was running for office, a lot of the things that he claimed, uh, that he was a billionaire, that he was a successful businessman, that he um, made a lot of money, he was a savvy businessman, he did a lot of deals, all right? Those are the things that he sold himself on. His definition of success, and for a lot of people, is success in a highly competitive society is winning. It is becoming first. It's making a lot of money, it, you know? Those are the uh, primary examples of success. You can define it however you want. I feel I'm successful, but I'm also not 
winning everything I do because I fail a lot and I'm not a millionaire. Uh, so I must not be successful, but I feel successful. So, um, in our, like, if you look at the Super Bowl or if you look at the World Series, which isn't a World Series, but still, if you look at these international competitions, the Olympics, we're looking at the winners. We're, we're watching the people that are winning these things. Michael Phelps, 12 gold medals. Um, we're watching the the people that win, not the second place or third place or the people that even get to the Olympics, you know? So um, the, the highly overly competitive society defines success as winning. Um, so the parents who want their kids to be happy and successful, they want them to win. They want them to be first. They want them to be uh, superstars, right? Uh, two, the emotionally evocative nature of watching their child compete. So uh, Dr. Alan Goldberg talks about, this is a really good example. He's like, you know, when I'm on the pool deck and I'm, I'm consulting or coaching, I can be very analytical and in the motion, you know, in the moment. And I understand all the processes. You know, I understand that while my son or Johnny didn't dive in with a perfect streamline and maybe they got tired after their first flip turn and maybe they took a breath before and after their flip turn and on their streamline. Uh, so it wasn't a great swim, but they put in a lot of effort into their kick. They did what I asked them to do. And overall, it was a good learning experience. They didn't get a best time, but that's okay. You know, as a coach removed, as a as a consultant, you can kind of look at it with a more objective eye. But then he says, but when I'm wearing my parent cap, and his example was at a tennis match because he his daughter was a tennis player, I believe. Uh, he's saying, you know, he goes nuts. He goes crazy because it's his his child and he knows what they should be doing. They're not doing it. It drives him nuts and he becomes a crazy lunatic monster. And this is the evocative nature of watching your own child compete. You get into it. You get nuts. You, you, you lose your mind into this crazy other person um, and you start screaming and yelling and behaving in a way that you may not necessarily normally behave in. When a totally logical, normal person comes in contact with their child competing, they go nuts. Now, I personally don't have a way to relate to this because I've only been on the coaching side of it, but I think I can understand it. And it seemed to be an over, um, it seemed to be a uh, well-received type of comment and, and story. So I'm not going to, I don't have any reason to, you know, to think this is wrong, Um so parents' behavior is affected by watching their own child swim and participate. So even if we look at swim lessons, they want them to succeed, they want them to be happy, and they want you to put time and effort into their kid. At swim lessons, they're going a little crazy when they watch their kid not participating well or not paying attention or maybe playing too many games in your lessons and they think you should be doing more drill work and yelling at them, making sure they're doing their thing because they go a little crazy when they see their child compete or, or learn something new. And then they have their past role models. So the people in their lives that they look up to or looked up to or continue to look up to. Um, so people like um, who watch past Olympians or people who watch, um, the name is escaping me, the, the swimmer with the mustache uh, that won a bunch of medals and... and in the Olympics. I'm forgetting, I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll remember it at some point. But if you know swimming, you know who I'm talking about. The, uh, 
so maybe that was their role model and then or Michael Phelps was their role model because that was a little while ago now. And now they want to pass that along to their kids. Uh, so seeing other people succeed and who they were looking up to and they want their kids to look up that way. And then the parents own individual psychology. So the the type of parents that he says they're the majority of parents fall into the 98%, which are rational, normal, um, run-of-the-mill parents that they want their kids to be happy, successful, and they want you to pay attention to their kids. Um, and they're fine with that. You know, they may stray every now and then because you're not giving them feedback, but generally they're going to be reasonable people. Now, and actually, if you look at this, it says they mean well, they're psychologically healthy. They can separate themselves from their kids. They just want what's best for their children and they're educatable. So you can teach them to not behave like lunatics. And if you ignore them, then they might slip off into the crazy land um, and I mean, uh, calling you, emailing you at all days, yelling at you on the pool deck because their kid didn't perform, um, spreading rumors around your club, yanking their, their swimmer from your team because you're not giving them the right feedback. Um, and, and then they can do that, but then you can kind of rein them back in. But then there's this other 2% of people, of parents, and, and Dr. Alan Gulliver calls them the 2 percenters, that cannot separate their needs from those of their kids. They want what's best for themselves. So they they succeed when their child succeeds. They're living vicariously through their kids. They're not psychologically stable and they are not educatable. These are the parents that we have to worry about. These are the parents we have to freak out about. Now, I'm reminded of a parent that we had on our program who um, was determined to make their child uh, they said things a uh, success. They said things like, well, if my daughter isn't first, then what's the point? You're like, well, so many reasons. You know, there's the learning experience. There's the effort. There's the behavior. There's the dealing with failure. There's, you know, all sorts of parts that go into swimming that aren't just becoming first. And if you're really worried about coming first, why didn't you drive your own daughter to the swim meet and get her there on time? Why did she have to come in a cab? Why did she have to uh, be dropped off by a carpool? Where were you? Why is she sitting outside the pool with a coach for 45 minutes after the meet is finished and into the second session when her time was over at noon and at 1 p.m. you still haven't come and picked her up yet? You want to talk about like actually doing a, a service to your child? Be there for them. Um, or uh, we feel that uh, her progress isn't doing well enough here so we're going to switch clubs because they, they have more people that go to nationals. And it's like, well, they do in numbers, but not percentage because they are in a larger community, so they have more kids. So, yes, their numbers are bigger in going to these regional and state meets, but as a percentage of their base, they're the same as we are. Actually, we have more, a higher percentage of people going to these high-level meets. So that's not true either. So it's kind of like these are the people that are themselves unstable, that are living through their children, and they don't necessarily want what's best for their kids. They want what's best for them. And what's best for them is their child being a superstar and against sometimes their own kids' wishes. So there are some ways to handle this. Um, and some of these things we're going to look at how we can correct, because there's nothing you can do with these 2%. It's just minimize them. 
uh, reduce their their impact and get them out of there, right? But the other 98%, which are going to be the vast majority of people that you deal with, there's some things that you can do. So there's kind of three ways you can interact with parents. And I look at this on swimming pool decks at swim lessons, and I see this at swim practices. There's three models of interacting with parents. Uh, and this is according to Dr. Alan Gay, uh, Goldberg. Number one, the wish upon the star. Uh, so this remind this is the uh, wish upon a star. This is the Pinocchio thing and Jiminy Cricket. So they mean well. I'm sorry. You hope the problem magically goes away. You hope that the fairy godmother comes down, grants your wish, and poof, like that, your parent problems are gone. So just ignore it and hope it goes away, which we obviously know doesn't work. There's the second model, which is the crisis intervention or the reactive model which is you're doing nothing until there's a problem and then you put the fire out. So uh, if someone has a problem, you address the problem and then you hope and pray that no other problems happen. What ends up, ha- what ends up going on actually is that you're going to have a series of fires. So one day there's something wrong and then the next day there's something else and then the next day there's something else. And these fires just keep cropping up and you do your best to squelch them or put them out, but they keep happening So you're running from one crisis to the next and you're not really addressing any problems like the root cause of a problem. Instead, you're just managing individuals as they you happen to be able to hear about it and deal with it. But underneath or behind your back or among in the stands or in the crowd, you're not doing well. And I would suggest that most people fall into the one two kind of phase moving in and out between the two of them. And the hardest thing to do, and the third model for coaching or dealing with a swim uh, swim lesson program, is the educational and the proactive approach. Now, this is the approach that suggests that you are having regular meetings, and you can listen. This is Megan Joel Bear, the sports psychologist uh, and consultant, who says to interact with parents, you should be proactive and in their face, fill the gaps in their knowledge with information. So they know what to expect and they have a clear understanding and idea of what's going to happen in your program. The more forward facing you are with people, the less opportunity they have to invent something that's contrary to your program or your beliefs and how you operate. So for example, uh, to be successful, you have to adopt the educational and the proactive model. Um, You have to continuously train your parents. So including your parents in the entire process is just as important as being a good swim instructor, as being a good coach. And for a lot of people, this is a really big struggle. It's really easy to huddle on the pool deck, ignore the parents, and not talk to them. It's really easy to walk past them, say hello, and leave on your way out to your car after coaching. Unfortunately, it's not a really good way to be a good, successful coach or swim program uh, manager. So what you want to do instead is, and there are some suggestions that we've had in our training materials uh, on the website, swimminglessonsideas.com. And you can find that if you look at the resources. Uh, There's a lot of good information on forward-facing materials that you can hand out to your parents. So if you go to resources, swimminglessonsideas.com resources, and click on what to do if a child is crying, uh, there's a blog post here 
that's very good. Uh, it goes in depth on how to handle a kid that's crying and screaming. And there's a download for the uh, crying child flyer. So how what you can do uh, for parents as a parent to help your crying child. <coughs> oh my gosh, excuse me. I had a sneeze there, so hopefully I can edit that out. Um, but if you look at these these flyers here, the handouts for how to how to keep a crying child, it gives proactive information to your parents on how they sh they should behave at your swim program. Uh, so you can hand these out, um, and that's being proactive. That's taking an initial stance on how to uh, handle a crying child, so that you don't have issues with your swimmers later on. Now, there's also what we call the day two handouts. Uh, and these are, uh, this is a PDF that you can hand out for your uh, swim lessons. And they are included. Um, actually, I don't think I have them posted anymore. Uh, I'll have to put this up in the show notes here. But these are the day two handouts. Um, I used to have this on the complete lesson program package that we've discontinued in favor of the lesson plans. Um, but I'll put that in, um, I'll have to include that in our lesson plans. So if you've already downloaded the lesson plans, uh, you should see that in your Gumroad account. You can re-download it and there'll be the day two um, information. Uh, and these are things that we hand out to our, our parents the second day of swim lessons. And it gives them an outline of what they're going to do during the lesson, what they can expect. And this this is proactively giving them a level breakdown sheet and it says okay here's the level that your child is in because on the first day we've done testing or we've done an assessment of some kind uh, and the day two sheet is here's what they're working towards if it's level two they're working towards front crawl with breathing or no front glides with arms back glides with arm strokes they're going to be introduced to butterfly kick and uh, breaststroke arms or kick, I believe. So those are the focuses. And then it gives a lot of detail on that. So we're going to be doing a lot of glides. We're going to be doing a lot of horizontal motion. We're going to be doing a lot of kicking. Uh, our focus, primary focus is aiming the face perpendicular to the floor. You know, all these things are included in the, the sheets for the day two. And the intent is to fill the parents' minds with information about what the kids are going to be doing in their lessons and why. So then when their kid asks them, well, how do I get to level three? They can look at the sheet and then be like, well, you're going to be working on these things and here's what you're going to be doing and here's what you need to do. It makes it very clear. It doesn't make it very uncertain. It makes it very uh, obvious what their next task and what they're going to be working on in their lessons are. So being proactive with that approach uh, is a good way to fill the emptiness of those parents' brains. So um, actually here, there's I have the link. I'll put this in the show notes. So this is a blog post called um, Handouts for the First Day of Swim Lessons for Parents, What to Expect. Uh, and this has uh, a, this is the first day, day one handout. So, um, and this is something that we hand out at our swim lessons. Uh, it is a PDF that you can download uh, in it that says, you know, arrive early. Uh, the lesson manager is going to take attendance. We'll call our participants through. Avoid talking to your kid during the class. 
It's distracting. It tells you how long the lessons are. It says what we're going to focus on. We're going to work on going underwater, front glides, back glides. Describes where the swimmers are going to be and what they're going to be doing in their different locations, what beginners are going to do, what advanced swimmers are going to do. And it's just a very general lesson or general guide that we hand out to beginners so they know what to expect from our program. Um, and like I said, you'll be able to see that in our show notes. If you want to search on the website, swimminglessonsideas.com, there's a search box on the bottom. You can just type in day two handout and you can get a good handle on uh, what I'm talking about here. So uh, be proactive, you know, get out in front of it during your swim lessons. I make my managers go out and talk to the parents during the lessons. So once we have all of our groups set, uh, they need to talk to every parent at least once giving them information about what's going on, what their kid is doing, and why they're doing the things they're doing. Um, it's also a good opportunity to connect with the parents and give them a clear expectations on what's happening at the lessons. Uh, and it also establishes a rapport. It makes the parents want to be there because they feel like we're hitting number three here. We feel like the staff is investing time and effort into their kids because we can have a conversation with the parents where we go in-depth on their skills and their abilities. Um, let's move on. So we're looking at Dr. Alan Goldberg. So that's just kind of my tangent on swim lessons on how to be educational and proactive. Hand out your lesson materials, communicate often and frequently, send your staff out to talk to the parents before they have questions, make yourself available for questions if they exist. Um, so what we're looking for, what we really want for the kids uh, is happiness and success, right? So by showing our, our, our knowledge of them and giving them clear expectations of what's going to happen at the program, that's allowing us to focus on the kids' success. So Dr. Goldberg suggests that we should redefine what winning is. So, and I'm talking about this a lot, is that effort, the effort-based approach is better than the success or there you go. I see I'm even saying it. Our effort is, is, is what success is instead of being first or winning their heat or winning their race. It's the effort that the person per, puts into their um, performance that determines their success or their what winning is. And we want to redefine competition where it's we're seeking together where teammates and opponents are partners. So competition, there's a partner. You can't compete without someone else, right? So it's a, it's a struggle with and against somebody else. It cannot be separate and, and by itself. You have to have someone else. So if you're building each other up, everyone succeeds. And that's part of what his framework is. is when you're talking to parents, redefine what aim their target because they, they think that winning is being first, we want them to think that winning is their child's effort at a given task or competition. Uh, so uh, did the swimmer improve? Did they put their effort in based on where they are at in their, their ability structure? Uh, then that's what we want them to do. Um, and we want to frame the parents' minds in the, in the framework of success equals effort. Um, and then we also have to teach the parents what their role on the team is or what their role in the program is, support their child, provide unconditional love, uh, and the most important, not to coach or teach on the side. So you want to have one person being the coach 
and let that be the person who you're paying to coach your child. Don't step in and help out because your kid's just going to shut down. They're not going to listen. He gives a good example of after a swim meet, driving home, talking to the kid in the car and laying into the child for not streamlining, not taking a breath, you know, not kicking, you know, let the coaches handle that. Uh, It's better just to be unconditionally loving and supportive and be involved uh, because if your kids see the parents involved, uh, then they're going to think it's important and relate to that as well. And then we want to teach the parents about the nature of the sport. Uh, you know, what is swimming? Give them just as much information. I like to send out emails that detail why we're doing things. And this is my proactive approach. Have a, a conversation with parents so they get to know me and know what we're working on, why we're doing the things we're doing in our program. Uh, so I send these out periodically. Uh, over the course of the first 16 to 17 weeks that they're with me. And I use an auto responder, which is uh, like a drip program through MailChimp. So uh, if you have MailChimp, you can just put people in your queue um, at the beginning of every season, and you can send these emails out at regular intervals. Um, And then so tell them what you think performance is and why it's important for them. Uh, And then once we do this, then we can shape our parents' minds and we can fill their gaps and their uncertainties with what we want them to be thinking so that they're interacting in a positive way with their swimmers and their kids and their, their, their children so they're not living vicariously through their kids and going crazy when participating at swim meets. Um, I think I'm kind of done here with this. Uh, I feel like the setup is a little bit heavier than the implementation. Uh, generally, you have to be proactive with your parents. That's the number one thing. You have to be swallowing your fear, going out there and talking to the parents during the swim lessons and addressing any questions and fears they may have with your process, with your plans, with your uh, organization. And it's not justifying what you're doing. It's informing them based on it because when people know, like a dog, like I talk about this in our, um, in our, uh, my guide on new teen instructors and adults, how to teach teens and adults. And for adults, they need to know why you're doing something. You can't just say, all right, we're doing glides and we're going to twist from a ball from a standing position to a floating position and back again. You have to say, well, we're doing this because I want you to learn how to balance and correct yourself and find your feet under your body and manipulate the water so you can adjust your body comfortably. That's why we're doing this drill, and we're going to do it 10 times. Uh, And we're doing it 10 times because you need to be exposed to it, and this is a really good way of learning buoyancy and body control. With a three-year-old, you can just be like, this is what we're doing, and they're like, okay, let's do it. They want to be told what to do, kind of like uh, a child, right? So an adult needs to know why, and your parents, presumably, are adults. They want to know why you're doing the things you're doing with their child. Does it fit into making their child happy, making their child successful, which should be equated to effort? And are you investing your time and energy in their child and how? And you can do that. You can tell them that. You can give them that information by explaining your process, getting out in front of your program and saying, they're in level two. This is what they do in level two. And here's why. Uh, And, you know, or... I like to ask, what are your goals for your swimmer? Like, what's your intent? Why are you taking swim lessons? And then I can address that intent 
with my discussion to them about what's going on. You got to get out there and talk to them. Uh, send emails. Uh, like I said, I like doing the informational emails. I like going out and talking to them during the lessons. I like interacting with the kids and uh, finding out you know, how they're doing. And then going back outside and saying, oh, it's funny. Your child just said this to me. It was pretty amusing. And they're going to be like, of course. Oh, that shows that he's paying attention. He knows my child. I feel like I'm well taken care of and I can trust them. What are your experiences? Let me know. Share with me. Send me an email, jeff at swimmingideas.com. Email, or that's email. Uh, Send me a message on Telegram. You can find my Telegram link on the website at the bottom. Uh, Or connect with me on Twitter or Instagram, at swimmingideas. I'm always interested in hearing what your opinions are and what your stories are regarding the parents in your program and how you take a proactive first step in their face communicative approach. Share with me on social media or email jeff at swimmingideas.com. And I hope you found this series of the Central State Swim Clinic and the talks that we heard there useful and that you can take this information and apply it to your program or your swim team. Let me know in the comments below if you are interested. Uh, And I promise we will have the autistic conversation. Um, had some difficulties with uh, scheduling, but we will make it happen, uh, and it is on the horizon. So be patient, please, dear listeners. All right, thank you very much. I appreciate you sticking through and listening to the end of this podcast, and I know that tomorrow, together, we can teach better swim lessons. Take care. (music) 